This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and I'm here with Scott Eklund, a recruiting analyst. It's Wednesday afternoon, the day after, what we call it, Cooper McDonald Day? With, mm-hmm. uh, the day that uh, the Texas linebacker verbally committed to Washington over offers from schools like Utah, Colorado, Baylor, Virginia, and a bunch of others. So we're here today to talk with Scott a little bit about what he sees in Cooper McDonald and also a couple of other things as well because I don't think we actually got a chance to talk about Sam Adams with you. No, so. no, we, we haven't done a, a podcast since Sam Adams. Okay, so we're, we're going we're gonna to kind of go a little backwards on this. We're, we're going to go chronologically backwards, but uh, let's start with Cooper McDonald. He's, a, he's listed 6'3", 220 from Justin, Texas, who's a suburb of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Tell us what you know about uh, Cooper McDonald, well, Scott. Uh, Cooper, you know, he, he plays at Northwest High School, like you said. Uh, it's uh, They play at the second highest Was division. it 5A? Yeah, Sorry. I think it's yeah. 5A. Because um, so he's also the, was it the discus champion? Yeah, he won, Reigning he, discus champion? Won the champion? state discus championship yeah. this past year. And uh, really, when you watch his film, he's much better playing f- going forward okay. than he is playing in reverse. And laterally, he looks okay. But Washington has actually told him that they want him to play middle linebacker once he gets to the University of Washington. So I'm I'm really kind of curious to see how he ends up developing. Because right now, I you know when they started when they offered him and then started really recruiting with him, I thought he was going to be more of a Buck, maybe a Sam in Washington's scheme. But uh, Washington has told him middle linebacker, and so that's where they're going to bring him in and into play. Yeah, if you look at his huddle film, I mean, he, he does all of his damage from outside. Mm-hmm. That's why, I mean, I saw a little bit of a Jackson Sermon in him, but I also see a lot of Court Dennison in him as well. If you go back and look at Court's film when he was at Judge Memorial in Salt Lake City, I mean, I think he had 20-some sacks his senior year. Uh, basically, was he made his he made his reputation as a sack master, but yet he played inside at Washington. Um, so it sounds like it sounds like Cooper McDonald is going to fall you know follow maybe a similar path. Yeah, and you know what I actually thought once Carson Bruner committed, I thought that would take Cooper McDonald out of the out of the mix because they kind of play the same position if Washington wants him as a middle linebacker. And so uh, when Carson Bruner committed, I said, oh, well, that's probably it for Cooper McDonald. But no, it sounds like Washington really likes his length in the middle there. Um, I, and I, that's one thing I think Washington wants to do is get a little bit bigger, like a longer, bigger frame uh, uh, inside, not just on the edge, but they want him to be that on, on in the middle of their defense too. And I think that's why Cooper McDonald is, is a guy on their list and a guy that they decided to take, even though it seems like just on the you know, on the surface that he's kind of the same player that Carson Bruner is. Well it's interesting because Carson Bruner is, is is a lot smaller. I mean he's not necessarily shorter, but he's two oh five compared to McDonald's listed at two twenty. Um you know what I see, at least on the surface, is a guy that if he's bringing in, being brought in as a Mike, then Carson Bruner could be brought in as the Will. Yeah. And so that you know you kind of like you look at Jackson Sermon last year being brought in and with MJ Tafisi. I see maybe a similar partnership. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I wouldn't d- dispute that at all. Okay. So you know, and again, we we talk about the idea of coming from Texas. A lot of people kind of poo-pooed the idea of Washington spending so much time in Texas, but now this is their second verbal commitment for the 2020 class. Uh, McDonald follows JV on Sunday, the the running back, and then 
you know, they've also put out a dozen offers for the 2021 class. So I think people need to get used to the idea that uh, Washington's going into Texas and they're not going to be leaving anytime soon. No, and um, for their Rising Stars camp, they brought up um, Brandon Huffman was there with me, and I think we estimated it was close to 20 Texas kids from the 2022 class. So those are guys that got a chance to come up to look at the University of Washington, see if they're interested in, in Washington, and then Washington can figure out, okay, who matches up, where, where does the, what is it, Venn diagram, is that where you do the two circles and right. where they intersect? So you're looking for interest on both ends, and where those intersect, those are the guys that Washington will focus on. And part of the reason why Washington was able to get those 20 guys up was because Will Harris spent almost the entire month of May in the Lone Star State. I mean, he was recruiting Dallas. He was recruiting Houston. He was out there um, in the in, in, on the plains. He was in West Texas, East Texas. He was all over the place. And I think Washington just really likes the idea of finding kids that love to play football and are more than happy to leave the state of Texas and and go to where their best opportunity lies. And they think Washington is the best opportunity for a lot of these kids. The other reason is, and we talked about this. We've talked about this in a couple different things, but the uh, numbers for high school football and youth football out here on the West Coast is down something like 30% um, over the last 10 years, you know, enrollment in in teams and things like that. Whereas in Texas, it's actually up like 15 to 20%. So you're going to have to make sure you're you're casting that wide net in a place where you know kids are going to be developed and um, and 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 have a love of the game and 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 be be coached well and taught the different fundamentals about playing football because more and more east coast and midwest teams are starting to come over here to the west coast and take kids away so washington and some of these other schools have to figure out a way to pull kids from the other parts of the country that aren't necessarily in the traditional pac-12 footprint yeah friday night lights is is a, is a cliche for a reason and it's because high school football in texas is huge and it's not going away anytime soon you've got high schools developing their athletic departments and their building facilities that will match some, you know, big sky programs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's ridiculous at this point. And that's where the that's where the talent that's where the talent is right now. And and again, it's not like the talent is necessarily going to go away in Southern California, for instance, where Washington, you know, in the Bay Area as well. But the trend is right now that football is not as important in California and it's just as important as it always has been in Texas. And so they're going, Washington's going to go, and, and other Pac-12 teams are going where the talent is. What the, what the Pac-12 has to hope is that Utah continues to grow as a state population-wise, but it also continues to grow as a state football enrollment-wise, because that one is one I think that's been holding pretty steady, and but it's one of the few out west that has actually held steady. Yeah. So... Um, you know, Utah needs to continue to grow and stay at its current level, if not add more kids to playing football. Or, you know, it's really going to be interesting to see where things stand a decade from now. Now, will you and I be covering this? I don't know. You know, I don't know. I mean, I'll be fifty-eight. You'll be you'll be what forty-nine? <laughs> sure. Know? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, but, I, but I'll be fifty-eight. You'll be right at about 
you know, you know, sixty nine, sixty, and and will it still be the same? And will we still be getting a hold of kids? I mean, Twitter probably won't be around, or if it is, it'll be the kids probably won't think it's cool to be on Twitter anymore, right? And um, you know, and they won't be on Snapchat, and they won't be on, you know, I who knows, you know, the different way. Maybe they'd actually have to answer in ten years from now. They might actually answer their phones now because there'll be implants in their teeth. We'll just teleport. This, yeah. We'll just teleport to their front door. But um, yeah, so it's it's going to be real interesting to watch the way the demographics go, but also just the way you know this all kind of works itself out. I think the idea of, of Utah continuing continuing to get better and better in terms of high school talent is huge. Not just because Washington's made inroads with Hawaii and the connections between Utah and Hawaii because of the LDS Church, for instance, are so strong that I think that can only benefit a program like Washington down the road. But again, that's going to that's gonna benefit a lot of programs on the West Coast down there. That'll benefit in Oregon for sure. That'll benefit probably some of the California Utah. schools. should benefit well, Utah. Obviously, it should benefit the in-state schools for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, when you look at Texas, you look at the inroads that Washington's making, you look at the coaches that have made inroads there, not just Will Harris, but you look at Scott Huff, who's made inroads there. You look at Pete Kwiatkowski, who's made inroads there. KB. You know, Kate, yeah, Keith Bonifaz made inroads there. You look at Junior Adams has got to be making inroads there as well. That may not show up until next year, but it may show up later this year. You just never know. Um, and so then, you know, we're looking at that. We're looking at Cooper McDonald, obviously, who committed Tuesday. Let's go back a little bit earlier and let's talk a little bit about Sam Adams, the second a kid from Eastside Catholic, running back, but he's also a heck of a defensive player as well. Played safety at the opening. Got at least one or two picks that I'm aware of. Saw some of the stuff online. And big-time get. Big, big-time get for Washington. Yeah, well, part of the reason it's a big-time get was because of the need. Washington needed at least two tailbacks in this class, and Sam Adams is a ready-made player for their system. He gets downhill quickly. He he doesn't juke around and, and fool around with a lot of that stuff. The problem with Sam Adams is, and the reason a lot of people think he's a better fit on defense is because he's, well, he has good vision. He's he's a more natural linebacker than he is a running back. He doesn't have the natural ball, you know, or the natural running skills that a guy like say Miles Gaskin had. I mean, we saw Miles Gaskin. I still remember seeing him as a sophomore and saying, "Does anybody tackle this guy on the first tackle?" Well, uh, Sam Adams will run through guys, but he. He isn't a guy who isn't going to make someone miss, or he'll he he won't make it so that you can't tackle him. I mean, he'll end up bruising and battering guys, and he'll fall forward. But he's not going to be that guy who breaks three or four tackles as he heads down you know down the field. And so um, I think that's one reason why people think he's probably a better defensive guy because he just gets a great nose for the ball. He's got great ball skills, and I think the ball skills also translate to the offensive side of the ball. Because he's got, he's a great receiver out of the backfield, and that's where he could be a huge benefit. Maybe as a freshman and sophomore at the University of Washington, he's a situational guy that comes in and 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 on like third and long or or third down plays, and uh, gets some gets some catches that way and makes an impact that way, um, and then he slowly works his way into being more of a normal running back in, in their scheme but you know JV on Sunday is already on the on the le- on the roster on the uh, commit list as well and he's different kind of runner but still kind of the same body style 
um, as Sam Adams. And I think that's going to be kind of intriguing to watch how Keith Bonifa is able to, to juggle that. One thing I'm kind of curious about, Scott, in, in the recruitment of Sam Adams, how important or was it the determinant factor that he got a shot to play offense first? I think that's probably the biggest thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, did he did he take any of the schools that were up front with him and said, "Look, we like you on defense. We're not one hundred percent sold on offense yet. We could be convinced, but we're not there yet." Did he immediately go, "Hey, if you don't like me on offense, or if you don't, if you won't give me a shot on offense, I'm just not going to look at you." Yeah, I think I don't think it was that dramatic, but it was a well, I'm going to lean more towards the schools that are willing to, to give me a shot rather than those who who aren't or think that I'm going to play defense and not consider me for offense. So um, I don't want to say it's definitely what happened, but I think, you know, Chris, you, you've had this in, in, in your head where you might not come out and say something is is uh, going to happen or you, you might not come out and say, hey, these guys aren't doing this, so I'm, I'm going to stop looking at them but maybe just the way your brain goes you just start stop thinking about them as much and you start focusing on the the things that that are fit into what you're looking to do right i would say too when you look at, it, at sam adams picking washington the in-state school the home school over offers from schools like florida ohio state alabama florida was pro- florida and ohio state are probably the the, the final in the final three with the University of Washington. Yeah, you got, on the surface with those kind of offers and that type of interest and that type of competition, you got to think this is still a heck of a, a heck of a result for Washington. Absolutely is, and even even though he's a local kid, and you say, well, they should always get the local kids. Those schools are no slouches to recruit against, and there, there's a lot of different things at play. So for Washington to get him and 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 really work that angle i i think kudos to keith bonifa for for reeling that guy in when when the deck was stacked against them a little bit because of taking that other tailback in the class and what's interesting too is if if washington fans have been looking at the running back room right now they're seeing that all of these guys save for savon ahmed who really didn't stay the same or basically stayed the same size wise all these other guys gained at least 10 or a lot more pounds in the offseason. I mean, you're looking at Sean McGrew got 10 pounds. Kamari Pleasant got 10 pounds. A guy like Richard Newton gained 20 pounds. Um, you know, we don't know about Cameron Davis and yet. We assume he's going to get bigger. But the idea is... That's just before spring ball. We don't even right. know what's happened over the last Right, but, but the point being is what, what I'm trying to get out here is, is that clearly Keith Bonifant has put it on his guys. We need to get bigger. We need to have bigger backs. They haven't had really a bigger back since like LeVon Coleman was kind of that bigger back. But other than that, they just really have not gotten really big. And now all of a sudden you've got a guy in Sam Adams who's legitimately 6'2", 200 pounds. He could be 215, 220 by the time he even gets to Washington. Oh, absolutely. De- I mean, depending yeah. on how they want him yeah. to come in physically. I mean, what was Chris Polk? At one point, one ninety, but he but he, he showed up at 190. Yeah. I mean, he's JV on Sunday. Again, 5'10", 190, that's... That's in a similar line with a Savon Ahmed. That's you know you expect that he's probably not going to get too much bigger than that. Maybe he gets to two hundred, but you're looking at other guys now. Kamari Pleasant's at two fifteen. You're looking at Richard Newton at two fifteen. You know that now all of a sudden this running back group has got some different body types and they've got yeah. some thumpers to go with their speed guys. Yeah, and I don't think you always need something like that, but I I think that's a a uh, a nice 
benefit to have of having bigger guys who can you know pound away at the defense while you got the scat the jitterbug kind of guys who can get outside. It certainly seems on the outside, Scott, that Keith Bonifaz saw that as a need and addressed it not only with his current guys getting bigger, faster, stronger, as you would assume anyways, but now all of a sudden he's recruiting a couple of bigger guys as well. Yeah, absolutely. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So now with those guys in the fold, Washington has 13 total commits. They've moved up to number two in the Pac-12. And I think we have 22nd in the country. They have 13 kids. Like I said, Oregon, I think, is number one. They've got 15 or so. Where do you see Washington in terms of taking the momentum that they've had this summer? Because they've gotten quite a few commitments over this summer, whether you look at a, an Adams or a McDonald or a Carson Bruner, or now you get you know Jalen McMillan, Miles Morale. There's a ton of guys that have, that have made a difference this summer. Where do you see Washington's recruiting going from here? Well, right now I could see three, three more commits. Uh, that I know before of. Before the season starts. Before the season starts. And I think one might actually happen before the end of the month. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. And, and um, you know, I, I think Washington's on a nice trajectory right now. Um, I think that um, you could, you'll, you're looking at probably 20, 21, 22 um, guys signing in this, in this recruiting class. And I think Washington has a decent shot at ending up in the top two or three in the conference and there'll be a top 25 recruiting class. I mean, I don't, I don't see that not happening. Yeah. So, um, but you know, over the next couple of months, so this, uh, on the 24th, so starting today, uh, and going through the 31st, it's a quiet period where kids can show up at campus, meet with the coaches. Um, but it's all paid for by them. It's not it's like an unofficial yeah, visit. Yeah. So, um, and and so um, they can come up and meet with the coaches on campus. It's the last time that they get to do that before the season starts because then the month of August, the entire month of August, um, is a dead period when they can call kids and talk to them and Skype with them and text them and all those kind of things. But they cannot see them in person on campus and they can't see them off campus. Part of that is so that the kids can just focus on getting ready for their senior year, their senior season, all that different stuff. And the coaches can focus on getting their team ready for the start of the, the college football season. Right. So are you going to give us any names? Well, Garen Hatchett, I mean, I've been on record. I, I think Garen Hatchett is very close to making a decision. And yeah. I think it's I, I think it's leaning toward Washington's we have, way. We have some audio crystal yeah. balls here. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, I, I already gave mine a long time all ago. All right. So um, the other crystal, the other one that I'll mention, and, and this won't be a surprise to the people who really follow recruiting closely, but Jacoby Covington out of out of Saguaro High School, he's a corner prospect, but he's probably more of a nickel or uh, safety if he comes to the University of Washington. I just don't know if he's quite dynamic enough uh, to play corner. Now remember, Saguaro yeah. is the high school of Byron Murphy. Yeah, and Keely Ringo, Keely who, Ringo. For people who want to be depressed, Keely Ringo is there as well. He's on the opposite side of Keely Ringo. I don't know how anybody throws a pass against that team if those are your two corners. 
But um, I think he's very close to making a decision, and I think Washington's very close. The other guy I'll give you is Mikel Esteen, the line, uh, the cornerback out, or I guess defensive back, because he could play safety or corner um, at Lawndale High School. His his teammate Elijah Jackson also is very high on the University of Washington and does have an offer. But I think Washington is only going to take uh, four guys in the in the DB class. And they've got Aiden Hector, Elijah Jackson. Uh, what's Smith's first name? What, James? James Smith. James Smith out of St. John Bosco, Esteen, and Covington. And I think out of those five, four are going to end up at the University of Washington. And we'll just have to see how it kind of works itself out. But I think Esteen and Covington are the two guys, along with Garen Hatchett, who could be committed to the University of Washington by the end of, um, by the end of August. Last question is, you mentioned kind of a target number. I think it was anywhere 21 to 23, what have you. With Mosiah, Nasili, was it Kite Kite. now? Kite? Kite. Kite? 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 Kite, yeah. Either way, formerly Mosiah Nasili Liu, now that he's no longer with Washington, do they use that scholarship this year, or do they bank it and use it with a very loaded 2021 class? Absolutely. That's a good question. I, I I don't think you ever save one. If you can find a guy that you really like, right? So um, that's kind of a cop out way of saying that if the right guy comes along, yeah, I think they'll take him. It's a bird in hand, uh, type yeah, theory, kind of thing. Right? But um, but I I just I think if if Washington had their druthers, they've got they know what they they wanted in this class, and that's probably what they'll stick with, and then just see where things pan out, and worry about the scholarship for twenty twenty, I guess would be the twenty twenty one class. Um, they'll worry about that when the time comes. If they find the right guy, they'll take him no matter what. But um, if if they don't, then they'll save it and bank it for next year. Okay, fantastic. Well, again, just wanted to get Scott's thoughts on the latest couple of Washington commits. Again, they're number two in the Pac-12 currently with 13 commits, 22 overall in the country. And so, uh, obviously, a lot going on with Washington recruiting. And as Scott said, you might even get a few more before the start of the season goes. Before I let you guys go, just want to remind you that if you're looking for daily updates in your inbox, in terms of just what we're doing with some of these breaking news, like Cooper McDonald committing on Tuesday, you know, if you want to get that information in your email, there's a simple way of doing it. Just send us an email at huskystadium at gmail.com, huskystadium, one word, at gmail.com, subject line newsletter, and we will get you signed up on our newsletter list. We will send you any breaking news. We've got a ton of newsletters that are coming out on Wednesday that have to do with Pac-12 Media Day, for instance. So it's a great way of keeping up, kind of in digest form, of what we're doing, and obviously some of the breaking news as well. So we'll wrap it up here. For Scott Eklund, I'm Chris Fetters of Dogman.com. Go dogs.